This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome back to episode 5 of the Hammers Unrestricted Podcast. This week we're going to be giving our thoughts on the 3-3 draw with Arsenal. Lots of talking points there. Uh, then we'll be looking at the England squad selected by Gareth Southgate ahead of the matches with Albania, San Marino and Poland. I'm James Woods, writer and editor of WestHamZone.com. Be sure to check us out for your latest West Ham news seven days a week. Joining me today is Jimmy. So where do we start with that then, Jimbo? Well, I don't know where we start, but I can tell you where I wish it ended. Yeah, good point, mate. Let's start with the first half, the first 30 minutes. Um, it was all us from the off, really, wasn't it? We, we come out of the blocks flying. Really good start from the boys. Mikel Antonio was a handful at first. Absolute menace. David Luiz couldn't handle him. Broke down the left-hand side really well. Cuts a great ball back to Jesse Lingard, who had just pulled off, waiting on the edge of the box. One touch, half volley into the top corner. I still can't get over your shout at the beginning of this podcast about how you thought he was going to be a has-been. Uh, what did you think of the goal, Jim? I thought it was world-class. Well, thanks for a reminder, Wood. Uh, yeah, world-class goal. Jesse Lingard peels off, gets a little bit of space on the edge of the box, smashes it, top bins. And early on in the game, you're thinking, it's going to be a good day. But didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, cracking goal from Lingard. Paul Merson said at half-time, um, everything about that goal was world-class. You you don't even take it on unless you're in good form. So it just shows again how confident he is at the moment. So it was two nil three minutes later. Um, that man again, Mikel Antonio, gets fouled on the edge of the box by Granite Shaka. Criminal then from the Arsenal back line. Uh, Partey, Shaka, and Tierney will turn their back to the ball. But Lingard's alive to it. Slips a ball through to Jared Bowen uh, to pick up another assist for the club. Good to see Bowen score. Uh, Jim, would you make a Lingard start to the game? Uh, well, Lingard was on fire start of the game. And... The stats don't lie. I mean, he started seven. He's got five goals and two assists. And he continued that good form into this game. He's very clever with the free kick that Mikel Antonio won. All the Arsenal players stop. He's switched on. He picks out Bowen. The ball is not rolling. I won't have it. And the goal is legal. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good goal to score, really. It's great when those ones go for you rather than against you. I mean, I'd be fuming if I was an Arsenal fan and did, you know your backline are switching off like that, haven't already gone a goal down. It was not a good start to the game for them. Not long after that, it was 3-0 to the Hammers. Um, that man again, Jared Bowen, breaking down the right-hand side. Uh, getting a ball to cross, but it was cut out by Kieran Tierney, who was looking a bit better at this point. The ball falls to Vladimir Sufal, plays a first-time cross in. Uh, Antonio again, just bullying David Luiz, can't get anywhere near him. Uh, heads it down into the path of Thomas Suchek and it just bounces off his toes and goes in. Nine goals for the season now for Thomas Suchek. What were your views on the goal, Jim? Uh, well, it was a great battle first off to see Bowen and Tierney. Of course, Tierney's having a really good season. And yeah, it was a great uh, duel out there. And Bowen whips a great ball in, beats his man. And yeah, them two combining again. Uh, Suchek gets his name on the score sheet. I think it was going wide and the touch was necessary uh, from Suchek, but he's in the right place at the right time again. And that's about as good as it got for the Hams, isn't it? It all went downhill from there. We're going to have to call it 
small time behaviour because that's what it is. I mean, we've given it our rule to get 3 0 up. We're bossing the game. We're thinking, you know what? Arsenal could be in for a dick in here, but it wasn't the case. No, I know what you mean. It was actually it was actually really difficult to talk about the first half an hour just then because you know we know what's coming and oh it was dreadful, isn't it? Like it's it's the West Ham of old. It's everything that we saw when we were watching them play Upton Park all those years ago as kids just oh, it's criminal, isn't it? Bottling a free goal lead. It's it's just disgraceful. Um where should we start? I guess the uh, the Lacazette or Suchek own goal. Um do you want to take the floor with this one? It's a good crossing from Callum Chambers under no pressure. Um, with a good ball in. I think it was going wide, but he earns his bit of luck with the spin that he does. And yeah. And it did chat it felt like the mood changed when he scored just before going in half time. Like I mentioned, it was small club behaviour from West Amsterdam. There's no avoiding that. I don't like saying it, but that's exactly what it was. And you could see it in the moods, you could feel the energy. The, the, that that seed of doubt was planted when that goal went in before half-time. And I think maybe the mentality of the players, we, we've got a poor record against the traditional top six. And maybe the mentality, the, well, the doubt started creeping in. Yeah, it just did show that our mentality against the top teams just isn't up to it. Yeah, you say about our mentality, you know, record against the top six. Well, Two wins in our last 28 games in all competitions against Arsenal says it all really. I'm fed up of playing them, mate. They always seem to get a result against us, even when they shouldn't be getting it. I mean, Sunday was no different, was it? Let's be honest. I mean, like you said, the, the mentality changed straight away when that goal went in. It's it's something that we haven't seen a lot this season either. Like we haven't seen... There's, there's not been many times where luck's gone against us like it has with that first goal they scored. So... It's clearly going wide, isn't it? Like you say, he probably earned his own luck there from you know the spin that he gives and he loses his man well. But for it to go in like that was really, really frustrating to take. And there's been a couple of times this season where we've got really lucky in games. We've had the Aston Villa game at home that I remember where we got lucky with a VAR decision and a missed penalty from Molly Watkins. Alice at home, uh, Benteke got a red card, which helped us pick up a point. Brighton at home was a bit dodgy as well. And... You know, it's, it's, I hate to say it, but it's about time that one of these probably went against us. And we'll, we'll get on to the, the build-up to the goal later on. We went straight into the second half after that. We, we kept the game at 3-1 and it could have so easily been 3-2 after about a minute. Um, Lacazette gets in there. That man Callum Chambers, who, you know, set up the first goal, he latches onto a ball around 40 yards out, flicks it with the outside of his right boot. First time, by the way, uh, Lacazette breaks in, lobs Fabianski and cleared off the line, Boris Diop. Um, about the only good thing Diop done all game to be honest with you I thought he was awful in the first half gave the ball away a few times him, him and Dawson looking a bit shaky at the minute what do you think? You can chuck any football cliche at this game and I think it fits it was just an extraordinary watch to see us just go from so aggressive to passive in a matter of minutes I don't know what switch but it just felt the momentum completely shifted and it really was just odd it was <laughs> odd to watch <laughs> To see us be so dominant in the first half, first 30 minutes, and then just see Arsenal run the show for about an hour and us come up with no answer. Let's let's not forget, like, all right, we played well the first 30 minutes, but they were dreadful. They were so awful. bad. They they were awful. Like that there was there was a hangover from Thursday with Olympiacos, definitely. They, they all looked knackered, but I don't know where it came from. Like you get one goal back and you know, you, your your tail goes up and you're a bit more up for it, but they were just unbelievable. That first goal went in, we couldn't handle it. 
Dawson, I thought, looked knackered, to be honest with you. I think he needs a rest now, actually. He's played something like 14, 15 games in a row for us. And I think he's knackered, to be honest with you. I think I think he needs a bit of time off. And Ogbonna can't come back soon enough, as far as I'm concerned. I 100% agree. Ogbonna, he's a real key member um, to that defence. Uh, it's a Diop. Has done well when he's been filling in. Um, but I don't think he's quite at that level. And it would be nice, just like you mentioned, give Dawson a break bit of rotation don't get me wrong uh it's a diop is a great deputy and he could partner either one of them but yeah just for a bit of freshness i'd like to see another center back just come in there so let's get on to the second goal jared bowen's in possession he's trying to break up the pitch he's midway through our half pulled down by kieran tierney i'm not saying it's a foul i'm saying i've seen him given i i have seen him given i don't know why the foul went the other way is it because he's put his hand on the ball while it's moving and Moss has given him a foul anyway. So Partey gets the ball, plays it out to Sacco, he gives it to Odegaard, who was class, I think. Odegaard, really good player. I actually don't really want to say it, but I enjoyed watching him. Gets it out wide again to that man, Chambers, who puts in another class ball. Like, literally, the, the whip on it and the pace is quality. Straight off Dawson in the back of the net. That's our last three goals we've conceded at that point. They've all been put for our own net by our own players. Two for Dawson. Um, your thoughts, Jim? Um, well, you, you do see him given, like you mentioned, but Bowen was looking for it and it's soft. But in my eyes, it's not a foul. The foul is that he's handballed it when he's right. fallen on the ball. Normally that forces the referee's hand then to give it his way. Maybe the decision he made in the first half plays into his thinking that he sort of, that might be looked at, I'll give one their way. But it was, he went down too, too softly. I don't think the ball's moving when Lacassette takes it and I think it's a fair goal just want to have a little pop at Moss and you know I don't want to be that bloke who moans about the ref but he couldn't keep up with the pace of that game could he like that was that was a game played at high intensity like it, it was a lot going on and the ball was zipping up and down the pitch it was end-to-end stuff I just don't think he'd keep up with it half the time I didn't think he had no, a he, game he had a day to forget there's one where Lingard's got the ball and he's gone breaking away he's driving towards the box and he's pulled it back for a foul but there was no advantage played I, th- I thought it was a joke no, I agree. That one was the that one stood out because you saw Moisey going crazy on the touchline. We had chances to kill the game off after that. In fairness, um, Ben Rama, who I'm sure we'll get into in a minute, um, Ben Rama gets himself into the box for one of the only times I can remember in the second half. Uh, gets past Thomas Partey and Pablo Mari, puts the ball across. Antonio has lost Chambers and David Luiz. Oh, mate, it's easier to score that one, and it rebounds off the post. Uh, he should score. His reaction time should be better. But maybe this comes into the talking of that he's not an out-and-out striker. That his positional sense maybe isn't the top of the top elite strikers. Because, yeah, it should be a tap-in and he should be in that position. But it is fizzed in at him, okay? So you really need to be switched on just to even tap it in. Um, The fact that he gets a toe to it does mean that he should put it in. But, you know, it's just one of those things. I can't believe he's missed it. He had one just before that as well, where um, I believe Bowen's gone through on goal. Um, he's been taken down. The ball's dropped to Antonio and he's had a shot. Tierney's not even looking, is he? And he, he's managed to get a block on it. But even that one, he's got to lift it over him. He's on the floor and that's 4-2. That's the game done, I think. I think that's, that really takes it out of Arsenal at that point, I think. So they were, they were piling the pressure on at that point and it was only a couple of times we got out of our own half in that second half. And, you know, to, to put the game to 4-2, I think, would have ended it, really. I just I don't think they come back from that. Um, moving on from that point anyway, Moyes decides to make a change after that. He's 
He's taken off Gerald Bowen and put on Mark Noble, which instantly sends out a message that we are going to sit back and try and hold out for this. It invites pressure on. I, I thought it was a stupid decision, to be honest with you. Um, Moyes ain't got a lot wrong this season in my eyes. I've, I've been saying a lot of the time that he walks on water for me, but I, I, I thought that was just, you know, that was just asking for it. That was just saying, come and attack us. We're going to sit deep and, you know, we're, we're going to try and see the game out here. But yeah, so Arsenal substitutes were able to make the difference in the end. Pepe gets the ball um, down our right-hand side, puts a ball across, which is headed home by Lacazette. And it, it's just gutting, really, to be honest. I don't know what to say other than that, Jim. What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm not too sure what to say either, Woods. I mean, for me personally, it doesn't make sense fundamentally to change what got you in that positive position to go go away and change that just because you're three goals up. You know what's got us there, playing on the front foot, putting pressure on Arsenal's back line where we can force a mistake. That's what got us in the lead and that's what got us in that position in the game. So at 3-0, why revert back to negative football, trying to long ball, uh, hold out for a sort of damage limitations? It does make sense to me. It doesn't. I, I don't understand where the thinking comes from um, to go against what got you in such a good position. I mean, it's just poor tactics. Like I said, Shimei, I mean, Moyes ain't got a lot wrong this season, in my opinion. But com- compared to like the last two games, so we talked about this the other day, we played Leeds and we were awful against Leeds. Didn't play very well at all, to be honest. We let them bust the game. Went up to Old Trafford afterwards. We don't need to talk about that again, let's be honest. The first 30 minutes of this game were, the, were everything that you and I were calling out for last week. We were saying we need to attack Arsenal, we need to get on the front foot, we need to show them what we can do, put these attacking players out. Lingard's going to be coming back into the side, he'll be fresh. Everything was like coming together. Like, let's, let's be honest, at 3 0, we were laughing. <laughs> like, you know, you're thinking this, this is class, this is unbelievable, exactly what we wanted to see. And it just went to, went to shit, didn't it? As you say, it just completely went to pot in the second half. And well, I wouldn't hold. Moy is completely responsible. Do I like his substitutions? No. Do I like the starting 11 he put out? Yes. And that 30 minutes was his game plan. He would have got them ready and they executed it perfectly. And then after that, I think the players have to take responsibility to how that game finished. So we've got a couple of weeks off now. We've got the international break. There's there's players that are going to be going away, which we'll get into later on. But, you know, it's time for the, the boys to regroup. And as, as Moyes said after the game, look... <laughs> It's not a bad result. We didn't lose the game. I, I don't like him saying that it's not a bad result because you should never be throwing away a three-goal lead. And, you know, as I say, we've got two weeks now to regroup and get over it. So you made a good point last week about Ben Rama saying, you know, does Moyes trust him or not? I don't think I trust him after that, to be honest. Um, I know you've got a few things to say, so go on. Well, would Jamie Carragher in commentary can be quoted as saying, Chambers is looking like a prime cafe. Let let that just sink in. Behave. Okay, prime cafe. Callum Chambers. And you don't think something's wrong with that sentence. Ben Rama allowed that to happen. Okay. He weren't tracking back. How many crosses did we see him get in? No pressure. At least three. Is, at have least I missed three. something? Has Chambers just become Cafu? No. There's <laughs> something going wrong on that flank and we're going to figure it out. All right. So I did an article last week um, doing a bit of pre, pre-match. pre I was um, looking into some of the main right, the main battles for the game and 
Uh, I did a Ben Rama versus Cedric Suarez. I thought he was going to get a start. Um, he's played for the last couple of games for Arsenal. And when I saw Chambers in the team, I thought um, that's going to be a good a good point to target. Ben Rama's obviously getting a chance today. He should be well up for it. He'll get a chance to run it in. And as you say, the Prime Cafu showed up. I mean, he had a good game, to be fair. May of the match, I'm not sure. But I think we, it, it was obvious how much we missed for now, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, he... As we have said the last couple of weeks on the show now, he, he works hard. He gets around the pitch well. It's a shame that he was injured still. Well, I think performances like that will plant a seed of doubt about Ben Rama's future. I compare him to Felipe Anderson. Moyes didn't fancy him. Are we going down the same route as that? I hope we're not, but we've seen that before. Uh, I do think he's going to have to pull his finger out, otherwise it will be Porto for him. <laughs> I, I think with him, if he gets a goal, then it's all going to change. I do, but you know, it just weren't good enough the other day. He he won thirty six percent of his duels all game, so heading or you know tackling or whatever. He he won thirty six percent of the time, which isn't really good enough when you're sitting back for sixty minutes in a game. He lost possession eight times um, before being substituted. He made one interception. And he was only successful with 67% of his passes. And you know, if you look at both goals like we mentioned with Chambers, he's at least 10 yards away from him. And both times, he's not even looking at him. He's looking at Odegaard, who's in possession. Declan Rice is with Odegaard both times. You've got Saka, who's pinned on Cresswell. And you've got Ben Rama, who's sort of tucked inside, not sticking wide. Chambers has bombed on past him, and he's got both the balls in. And that's, that's two goals that you can avoid there if you just stick to your defensive structure and shape. And... You just know that Moyes ain't going to take that, is he? Like he's he's set on foundations such as structure and discipline and working hard for the team, and he's just not doing that. Well, I think it was highlighted today, uh, Ben Rahm's defensive work because it was a poor performance. Uh, Moyes' subs, uh, he took Bowen off, which I thought was strange, and put Fredericks on that right, where all of the play was coming through Chambers. So I don't, I didn't understand why. Ben Johnson or Fredericks wasn't played ahead of Cresswell to nullify that. I think that was an opportunity missed. And I think Pepe then pulls off of Cresswell at the end. I feel like Fredericks could have been there or Ben Johnson just to cover that space because that's where they look dangerous. Um, I do have to give Arsenal their credit for an hour of play. They were really good. I mean, Odegaard switched on and Callum Chambers had a good game. What do you make of Arsenal's performance? I was surprised, to be honest, mate. Um, like I said to you earlier, I thought when, when I saw Chambers in the lineup, I thought that's a, yeah, that's a weak spot to, to sort of exploit. And I did another article in the week looking at Arsenal and just looking at where we're going to have to, you know, look at them to defend completely against. And um, I, I, I wrote an article which says, Arsenal left flank will pose big threat to West Ham on Sunday. Um, got it completely wrong, really, didn't I? But I was looking at the stats beforehand and it's easier to see that you know, Kieran Tierney is a big part of the way they play. 40% of their attacking touches before the game had come from down the left-hand side. 18% of their shots had come from their left flank as well. Tierney before the game averages 5.09 crosses per 90 minutes. And he's completed nearly 65% of his dribbles this season successfully. So you know, a lot of their play goes for him down the left because he loves getting forward. I was completely shocked, to be honest with you, to see it all come down the right. I couldn't believe it. Not something I've really prepared for, because I can't really remember seeing Callum Chambers play right back before, to be honest with you, mate. I can't remember. I think he has done a couple of times, but, you know, not to the extent where I would sit up and take note of it. And Arsenal were good, like you say. They, they deserved it. And 
we were lucky that the game ended when it did. It could have easily been 4-3 in the end. I think, like you said to me earlier on, mate, if it had gone for another 10 minutes, then we'd lost that game easy. One thing that is also quite obvious, but something that hasn't actually been discussed much this week is our squad depth for the game and the substitutes that are brought on. So, like you said, we brought on Noble and Fredericks. So we had nine subs. Two, we had nine subs on the bench. Two were goalkeepers. Three of them never played in the Premier League before. The only recognised attacking threat we have was Manuel Lanzini. He hasn't looked himself for about three years now. With all the goals coming down the right hand side, it's, it's easily fixable if we have a fit squad. You go five at the back like we used to with Cresswell tucking in as a centre back. You've got Maswaku playing left wing back and Angelo Bonner, and that is the left hand side sorted. As well as that, you've got Pablo Fernandes that can just sit in front if he's fit as well. But instead, you've got Cresswell isolated on his own, being targeted. You've got Ben Rama, who's not going to defend. In comparison, you've got Arsenal, who are able to bring on Smith Rowe, Martinelli, and Pepe. The latter picking up the assist for the equaliser. I think we, you know, it's, it's crucial wherever we finish at the end of the season that we invest in the summer. And that there's positions that I know you've made a note of that you think we should be investing in. So, where do you think? Uh, well, I think it's important to remember Yarmolenko's on the way back. You said he's playing with the under-21s, 23s. Same with Masuaku. So that will give us a uh, much important depth that we need. Uh, Masuaku is a massive help because he really does allow us to play five at the back and gives us options in different games to play a different system. Uh, I think, crucially, what we need is um, striking replacement, you know. Everyone knows we sold Seb Hilaire in January window with no replacement. So we're hoping that that kitty, 25 million, I think it was, needs to be reinvested in that role. I don't want to see it go anywhere else but there. There's two routes I feel you can go down uh, with this replacement. You can sort of go to the championship or you could go abroad. Both come with their own risks. Um, but in the championship too, I'd be looking at, of course, Ivan Tony. He's yeah. been smashing it this season. Unstoppable. And then maybe as an outside, uh, Adam Armstrong, I know he's had a good year. Um, so those would be two I'd be looking at. But like I said, you can get a few hits from the championship, e.g. Bowen, and you can have a few misses, e.g. Hugo. Yeah, you're right about the championship, to be fair. I mean, we've had some hits, we've had some misses. Um, I, I think just given how our recent history has gone with buying from the championship, I'd definitely stick with it. Uh, Ivan Tony, as you say, bagsman, banging goals in this year. He's going to break the record, isn't he, for the most goals scored in the championship. Adam Armstrong's another good player. Um, I don't actually, I can't think of anyone that I'd want to take, really. I mean, I've been watching a fair bit of the championship this year because you know, it's on all the time, isn't it? But I don't, I can't think of anybody else I'd want to take. Uh, there's no one that's really at the level that you think could break into the Premier League and play regularly apart from those two. Armstrong would be a risk in, in itself, but... Tony's the one that you look at and you think, yeah, he could definitely just walk into a side. Now, one area where we actually could do with looking at strengthening, um, I know we had two of them on the bench, but in terms of goalkeepers, Fabianski's old now, he's 36. Um, he's just signed a one-year contract extension. I think he's great. I think he's the best keeper that I've seen us have, you know, since we've been going to West Ham, you and I. He, he rivals Robert Green and Robert Green was obviously, well, he, he was good enough to play for England at the time, but... I think with Fabianski getting to the age that he's at now, you do need to start looking at other goalkeepers. Um, one man that we've been linked with heavily is Nick Pope. And another that I've seen is the lad Aaron Ramsdale, who's getting relegated with Sheffield United. Uh, I don't love either one of those options. And I'm fully ready to ride the wheels 
off of Fabianski until they come flying off. I what? mean, hang on, you don't like Pope? You don't? You don't think that would be a good signing? I think it would. I think it's unrealistic. The price point. I can't. I Burnley. I. I feel like that would be a really hard one to get over the line. I'm not sure what his contract is like at the moment, but I feel. Look, Wood, we had trouble getting Tarkovsky at the team. How do you think we're going to get Nick Pope? Yeah, you're not wrong. All right. What do you, what do you think Pope's going to be worth then? What do you think? I oh, know they, they slapped 50 million quid down Tarkovsky, but what do, you, what do you think we would spend on a goalkeeper? Because it's, it's an important place to invest in, isn't it? Like, you know, it is well worth spending 30 odd million on a goalkeeper, hands down. You'd start at 50. I can't see it being any lower than that, and I can't see us paying that much I know but, be, he would be a good signing for the future it's a long term solution for us but I just can't I just find it very hard for us to be able to pick someone like that such a key member out of Burnley I I think we'd struggle to get over the line I just want to get this clear you're saying 50 million but you don't think he's worth that you think that's what they're going to put on him uh, I believe with it, him being English that's how much he's worth 50 million quid. You think Nick Pope is worth 50 million quid? I think if Man United roll up to him and they want to buy him, I think it's 50 million pounds. Man United have the hair and Dean Ensign. Uh, maybe not them then. <laughs> <laughs> I get your point. I get your point, mate. Yeah. So uh, let's just finish off then by taking a look at the England squad as we've now got a two-week break. We don't have to think about any West Ham results, which is probably going to be good for the blood pressure. Um, Lingard and Rice both in the squad. It's class to see Lingard back in there. I mean, he's, he's got a bit lucky with some injuries, fair enough. But, you know, Southgate's obviously shown his trust in him at getting back in there. Um, good news for him, isn't it? I mean, it is good. Um, the form that he showed, five goals in seven starts, two assists, as we've mentioned. That's the type of form that will get you in the England squad. I mean, he's come in from out the cold uh, of Man United, straight into the West Ham team, and he's absolutely smashed it and fully deserves his call-up. Good news for us as well, really, as West Ham fans, because he's he's come in, he's been excellent. I know we spoke about him a few times already on the show, but... He's been outstanding. He's taken us up another level. And he obviously had the end goal to get back into the England squad for the Euros. And for us, for him to now be in the squad already, all he's got to do is perform. So I was listening to Southgate the other day. He said he will play some part in the three games. If he gets on, he gets a goal. It'll be difficult for Southgate to turn him down for the next squad, I think. And he's obviously going to be motivated more for us now to keep pushing us on to get back into the squad for Euros. So I think he's excellent for the club as well. Um, great to see Rice back in the squad, as we said. There are some new new faces, actually, that have been called up that I think it'd be good to talk about. Um, Sam Johnson and Ollie Watkins have both been called up for the first time. Congratulations to them. Uh, Luke Shaw and John Stones, two more men, as you said, were out in the cold. Um, not necessarily by the clubs, but with the England squad, they definitely were. Unfortunate for Patrick Bamford to not get into the squad. We'll come back to him in a moment. Um, Jim, what do you think of the new recruits that are coming into the side? Um, look, there's a lot of competition up front. So I think Watkins is going to have his work cut out. Um, you've got Calvert-Lewin been in fine form this year, as so Kane. Um, I think it'll be a good experience for him. Hopefully one for the future. He's about 24, 25 at the moment. Um, so yeah, it'll be nice for him to get that call up. Hopefully you can add something new to the team. Got Sam Johnson in the squad. Pickford got a knock for Everton, so he's out of this one. Um Big occasion, actually, for Johnson. Never been in the England team before. He did represent the country at youth level. 
played 28 games for West Brom this season. Um, he's been, to be fair to him, he's been part of the worst defence in the league. They've conceded 57 goals this season. They've actually only conceded two goals in the last five games, though, which has been quite interesting. They've had a bit of a turnaround recently. He's actually made 123 saves in the league this season, which is the most by any goalkeeper in the Premier League. So, you know, he's definitely knows how to make a save or two. One concern that I have regarding him is if he does get on, it's going to be a bit different for him, isn't it? Like, with if you look at it this way, with West Brom, he's used to being busy quite a lot. He's used to making three, four, five saves a game. Playing for England, he's not going to be... He could go 20 minutes without touching the ball. He's going to have to just stay switched on, isn't he? Well, I mean, I think it will be very different for him. Um, I want to give a quick mention, actually, to one man. That's Patrick Bamford. Um, 14 league goals this season for Leeds and six assists. He was class on Friday, I thought, against uh, Fulham. Obviously got left out of the squad. Gareth Southgate chose to bring in only Watkins, which is you know fair enough. He's the gaffer at the end of the day. You can choose. Watkins just with a 10 goals and a three assists this season, which is still good. Do you think Bamford's been hard done by? I think he definitely has a case. But like we mentioned when he played against us, I think he missed a one-on-one. And there is just evidence over the course of the year that would lead to the decision that he isn't at the level to play for England. I know he scored so many goals and he's uh, played really well in that system for Leeds, but he does get a lot of chances, um, would be my counter-argument for that. I don't know. I think if he has another good year, then maybe the World Cup squad next year is one he should be targeting establish himself this year and then that's what I'd say target the World Cup next year you've got Fernandez, Salah and Kane that are all above him Kane and Salah are both on 17 goals Fernandez is on 16 but they've all been taking penalties so no one's scored more goals from open play than him I don't know I just think he's been a bit hard done by I mean I, you say target the World Cup squad I think if he's not getting in now he's not getting in at any point I, I think I think this is where he peaks. I think he scores more goals than this, to be honest with you. I think he's had a really good season, Bamford. 20 goal involvements in the league overall in 29 games is, is a good return. And, you know, he's had a point to prove this year, but I don't think he gets in the squad now. I think with him choosing Oddie Watkins, who's scored less goals and created less goals, but he says that he's picked him because he gets in behind and he puts pressure on. You know, Bamford plays for Leeds. They are the team that go one-to-one. They press you high up the pitch and, I think it's a cop-out, personally. If he was going to pick him, he'd have picked him by now. Okay, so that's about all we've got time for this week on the Hammers Unrestricted podcast. No West Ham game for the next couple of weeks. The boys are off playing for England, so best of luck to Jesse Lingard and Declan Rice representing their country. Uh, We'll be supporting you. Jim, any last words, mate? Well, it's getting to that point where we're seeing international friendlies and we're getting a little excited. We'd normally roll our eyes at them over the course of the year, but we can see the Euros coming up. So, uh, yeah, I hope the England squad get on well this week. Uh, On that, we're going to come back next week for a one-off episode where we're going to talk about our thoughts on the England squad, maybe giving some starting 11s, talking about who we take to the Euros. So make sure you tune in for that and uh, we'll catch up with you then. Cheers for listening. (laughs) 